God knows what it is like. He gave his only son and he died upon the cross that we might have life. And we look at this and we say in this Easter season, this Lenten season, that Christ is hanging on the cross and he loves us that much. And those same hands that were nailed to the cross are the same hands that hold our hearts, heals our woundedness, heals our brokenness, heals our misunderstandings and our frustrations, comes to us and gives us his grace, unmerited favor that just pours out towards us over and over in flood tides of, of love and tides of, of compassion and tides, tides of help and, and just washes over our soul cleanses our hearts and refreshes us even in the midst of our sorrow, our pain, our questions, our doubts, our joys, whatever it may be. Jesus, I need you, Jesus, to come to my rescue. Where else could we go? Yeah, the question was presented and Jesus, they responded to Jesus and said, you have the words of eternal life. Where else could we go? And you know, we come together and it's a celebration of our relationship with God. But it's also a place of healing, of restoration, of closeness, of God's direction, of God's help. It's many different things. Whatever the need is of our own lives, the Spirit of God speaks to us through the songs and through the worship, through His Word through our fellowship. He speaks to us. He speaks to the need of your life. And he gives you hope. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Can we say that? I need you, Jesus. Again. I need you, Jesus, to come to my rescue. Rescue me, Lord, from myself, from my sins, from my thoughts, from my actions, from the things I've done, from the, from the, the fears of my past and the fears I may have of my future and my present, oh God, rescue me. Let your peace be upon us, your forgiveness, O oh Lord, upon our hearts and lives. Jesus, I confess that I have sinned. In thought, word, or deed, I have sinned against you. And I ask you to forgive me and live within my heart and life. Let the renewing of your spirit cleanse me. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, as we... As we think about how the God is concerned for us. The, the concern that God has for us is one of a loving father, and the stories that we had in the Sunday school this morning depicted that, and it was a, it was a challenge for the people of that time. And, um, and, and I'll just kind of review that a little bit, and I'll try and put this all together for, our, for the message today. But in Sunday school this morning, we talked about how that there were this group of people around Jesus, and he was giving them this story, these three stories. And um, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were one group, and they were the very religious, stoic, kept keeping of the law and all that. And the people in front of Jesus, or in front, you know, that were attracted to him, 
were sinners and outcasts. Now, sinners and outcasts. Sinners were individuals who did not believe in the synagogue, did not believe in the reading of the Torah, did not believe in the, the rabbis. And the outcasts were the people who totally rejected it and, were, and, and, and said there is no God and there is, you know, and the whole thing. So these are the people who were in front of Jesus, the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they are the religious individuals. And then we have the outcasts and the sinners, those who didn't believe at all. And Jesus gives the story, the story of the found coin, which the woman had lost a coin, and she searched her whole house, and then she threw a party <laughs> when she found it. And the, and the idea was that the party that she threw was of, of much greater expense than the finding of the coin. Then there is the, the lost sheep, that he leaves the 99 in the wilderness and goes out and searches for the one lost sheep. And when he finds it, he rejoices and excited and throws a big party. And there again, the, the party that he throws is of much greater expense than the finding of the one sheep. And, and, it's, and it's a disproportionate, uh, as it were, a disproportionate economy in the sense that God... And this is Jesus giving us an understanding of his Father, of the Father, and what, fa the, the, what God looks at for us. So he is willing to search diligently, and when he has found us, he rejoices. So there's rejoicing in heaven over our lives and our relationship with Jesus Christ. And then the, 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 the main story of, of, this, of these three is the prodigal son. And the prodigal son is the guy, he's the youngest brother, and he goes to his father and says, give me everything, uh, give me my inheritance, and I'm leaving home. And this was an extremely wealthy individual. And so he goes away, loses everything, squanders it in riotous living. He's, you know, he's out partying for, until his money runs out. Then he finds himself in a pig pen, living off of the, off of the food that the pigs eat. And he says to himself, he came to himself, and Sometimes, you know, you ever wonder what does it take for us to come to ourselves? <laughs> you know, it's like, when do we wake up? And the idea of waking up is the idea of understanding that God loves me. And this is where the, the guy in the pig pen realized that his father loved him that much that he could return to his father. And even if it was the lowest position in his father's estate, he was willing to assume that position just to be back in his Father's grace. And this is where in our lives that we wake up, we come to that point of realization that God loves me more than anything else in my life, and no matter what mistakes, what failures, whatever, God loves me that much that I can come to him. And this was what was so difficult for the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those outcasts who had rejected the religious system to understand was that when the father saw the son a great distance away, he ran to them. They never imagined God running towards loving someone that much to be God chasing after. And the song that we sing, Captured by His Grace, and that, that God is, is, God is like pursuing us, coming to us. He doesn't per pursue us from behind. He pursues us as we turn, we find out God is coming to us. So as we turn our lives to God, 
It is, it is this realization that God really wants to be involved in my life. Um, Glenda, she likes lighthouses. She has them all over her house. If you go in there, she has all these lighthouses all around her room and everywhere. And I always say that sometimes raising kids, sometimes raising kids, we've got to be a lighthouse. A lighthouse is a symbol of sending out the light, and no matter how far out to see the kids go, they know where home is. And the idea is that no matter how far out in life we go, Jesus Christ is the light of the world that sends out the beacon, and we have a place, a direction in our life that we know where heaven is, and we know where love is, and we know where forgiveness is, and we know that if I follow the light, I will find myself back at my base, back at where God is, and where God loves me, and where God cares for me. And so the prodigal son returns to this place and his father puts the ring on his finger, put robes on him, puts the shoes on his feet. He doesn't clean him up. He takes him as he comes. <laughs> you know, the stink of the pig pen. <laughs> and have you ever been in a pig pen? <laughs> I have. And anyhow, <laughs> I used to live on a farm. We had pigs. But anyhow, that you have this and, and he brings him back. Now, the challenging part was the brother who had stayed behind said, Father, you never threw me a party. <laughs> you never threw me a party. And here my, our brother, he goes, my brother, he takes off and squanders everything and he comes back and you, don't, you never did anything for me. The people that Jesus was referring to as the brother were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They, couldn't, they could not rejoice in that these individuals who were sinners and outcasts were finding their way back to God. They couldn't rejoice with that. And I think the waking up experience in our lives is whenever we realize that no matter if we are a very religious person... <laughs> or whether we've been an outcast, we rejoice with each other in that we are coming back to Christ. And Jesus Christ becomes that, that foundational experience in who we are and what he does for us and how he relates to us. And that's why we have communion and that's why we, we sing the songs and we worship. It's, it's, it's a part of who we are. That on this paper here in Romans chapter 12, that... We will, never, we will never follow through with something we haven't made a declaration of. That if we, if we read through this and we read over the scriptures and we see how that God is at work in our lives and we declare our intent, then we can manage it. We can manage this idea of what God is doing. Now, in, in Joel chapter 2, verses 12 to 17, that... We see here what the, the prophet is, and, and this is often referred, used in the idea of Lent. Now, <clears throat> we are in what is called the Lenten season. How many of you had fish on Friday at some Catholic church? <laughs> Sometime during Lent, in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, we, you know. So we don't, we, we don't do that, okay? Uh, and, and, and the idea is that, well, they have a tradition that says you have to eat fish on Friday because there's no meat. Well, the idea that the Lenten season is um, 40 days, 
Yeah, 40 days from Ash Wednesday to Good Friday, except for six Sundays. The Sundays are not part of the Lenten season because Sunday is always the celebration of the resurrection. So in the Lenten season, it is more of a, play, a time of, uh, of introspection, of repentance, and of looking to God for his grace, his mercy, and what he has given to us, our gracious Savior. And then, of course, Sundays are excluded because Sunday is a day of celebration. Always, even in the Lenten, in Lenten season, it is, a, it is a day of celebrating, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why we have church on Sunday and not Saturday as the Sabbath day in the Old Testament. So, in Joel chapter 2, I just want to read a couple of verses here. But there is also this. It is not too late. God's personal messenger. Come back to me and really mean it. Come, fasting and weeping, sorry for your sins. Change your life, not just your clothes. Come back to God, your God. And here's why. God is kind and he is merciful. He takes a deep breath and puts up with a lot. The most patient God, extravagant in love, always ready to cancel out catastrophes. I like that. God is always willing to cancel out, cancel catastrophe. Who knows? Maybe he'll do it now. Maybe he'll turn around and show pity. Maybe when all is said and done, there'll be blessings full and robust for your God. Blow the ram's horn and the trumpet in Zion. Declare the day of repentance a holy fast day, call a public meeting, get everyone there, consecrate the congregation. And, you know, and, and that's kind of what we did today. Consecrating of a congregation, consecration, uh, consecrating the body of Christ, that we come together to celebrate our faith and our relationship with Jesus Christ, that we celebrate how that God has come into our lives and changed us that uh, going back to this idea of Lent then, um, Lent is a season leading up to Easter. It's a time when Christians have historically prepared their hearts for Easter with reflection, repentance, and prayer. Um, Lent is an important season of the year. The church year is an excellent way to help us focus our attention on God and what God has done for us. Now, the church calendar is always organized around um, the activities uh, of the scriptures and of, of, of the time. The church calendar follows six seasons. Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, and Pentecost. Okay? Advent. Now I'm going to ask you to figure out, I want you to tell me in a little bit, which one of these is the, the season that you like the best? Okay? Now, we know that we make decisions based upon our heart, an emotional decision with a rational understanding. Okay? When you make decisions, you ever buy, you ever go, you, you ever know whenever you need a new car? You know, this just doesn't look good anymore. <laughs> I think I hear something wrong. Anybody ever do it that way? You know, me, I'm always in the business. I'm always in the, I want to buy something new. But anyhow, generally it's got to be green. And uh, John Deere tractors. But uh, there is always this emotional, and that's why I don't, you know, for me, it's, it's kind of an emotional thing. I love to buy green things, you know. I love to buy green things, not green grass, green tractors and green appliance, appliances, green, um, not appliances, 
Equipment, that's it. I like to buy green equipment. You know, I like things that are green. Why? Because, I don't know, just green, you know? They're like John Deere, you know? And some of our friends, they bought red. <laughs> they were farmal people, you know? You see, you know, in the farming industry, you're either a, you're a color, okay? You're either green or you're red or you're, you know, those are the big things. But just a side like, uh, John Deere sells over 90% of the farm market, so if you want to know what's, what's the best, go right ahead. Uh, What's that have to do with church? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> but as we look at what, which season that we look at, that we think of, you know, we're going to read these over and describe them to you, and you're going to make a heart and a head decision as to which one and how you like these. You see, if you, when you love your children, you love your family, you love your wife, you love your grandkids, you love... It's an emotional thing, but it's also an intellectual thing. It's an emotional part of you that whenever you're ex- telling your grandchild, you know, we, we've got grandbabies now, and, and you know, we see Jack and, and Jonathan and Emma, and um, we see how that they uh, are always part and doing this and what they're doing, and, and, and Maddie, Madeline, don't forget Madeline. And we, we see how that they're part of our life, and we get these pictures all the time, you know, about the grandkids, and oh, wow, aren't they wonderful, aren't they intelligent? You know, takes after their grandmother. Uh, but, the, you know, we see all of these things, and those are heart things, but they're also intellectual things. It's important that we come together, and in our worship, it is a heart thing. It is an expression of our emotions. It's an expression of our feeling towards God. But it's more than just an emotion. It's an understanding of the scripture. It's an understanding of what is behind this emotion, what is behind our faith, what is behind our experience. And sometimes we doubt, and God doesn't have a hard time with our doubts. We're the ones who have a hard time with our doubts. God doesn't. God comes with his word to teach us and to influence our thinking. He renews our heart and renews our mind. He renews our thinking so that what we believe is not just an emotional thing and what we believe is not just an intellectual thing. It's a combination of us as a total person. So that's why as we sense or feel the presence of God, sense or feel this like crying, worshiping, maybe sometimes laughing, sometimes dancing. David, the, the king, danced before the Lord and he danced with all of his might because it was like God was on him and he was, a, he was gone, he was dancing. You know, and so there is, there's different ways. There's laughter, there's peace, there's joy. There's so many, and just taking who we are, just God taking who we are and taking it to a different level. And that's an emotional thing, but then there is the intellectual understanding of the lost coin, the lost sheep, the prodigal son. It's an understanding that we have in our mind that God loves us and he is willing to communion, he is willing to die for us, and as the prodigal son is returning, the father runs to the child pursuing him. These are pictures, mental pictures, 
that talk about a heart relationship. This Romans 12 is a checklist of what we, what we feel that God's Spirit wants to do in our life to develop our character, to develop who we are as a person so that we are not, we're not pretending, we're not being something on Sunday and not different on Monday, not that same person. We want to be the same spiritual person on Monday that we are on Sunday, and we want to have the character of God flowing in and through our lives as we go through our walk with him. And in so doing, what happens is it stabilizes us, it stabilizes our emotions and our feelings, and we're not swept away with the driven, driven back and forth by the winds and waves of what happens in our daily lives. So God comes to us to teach us these things that we might experientially understand them, we might experientially have them in our hearts, but also mentally grasp, this is God's way of telling me he loves me. This is God's way of letting me know he knows who I am, where I am, and what my needs are. I may not intellectually be able to get my mind on it, but I understand it in my heart. Um, Sheila gave us uh, a cassette tape of, uh, where is Tabby? She's in the back. Tabby and Sheila gave us this little cassette, on, on, and, and we, I finally listened to it. <laughs> they gave it to me at Christmas, and, uh, and she said, you'll love this, all right, and I, and I finally got to listening to it, so please, you've got to forgive me. But anyhow, it's a great little thing. The guy talks about the solar systems and how far away, how many light years and millions of light years the solar system is and, uh, you know, other solar systems and how long, you know, how big and how vast our universe is. And the scripture says that God breathed the stars into existence. He just spoke them into existence, put all these worlds in order. And um, if you go to this galaxy and through the Hubble telescope, and you get in this faraway galaxy, far, far away. It's not Star Wars. But anyhow, <laughs> there's this galaxy far, far away. But uh, anyhow, the Hubble telescope focuses in on there, and at the center of this galaxy, there's a cross. It's kind of like the center of it. There's this black hole in the center of the galaxy, this galaxy far, far away. And they blew it up on the, on, the, on the Hubble telescope. It's on the NASA site. And it's a cross. And then he went to the other extreme. He went into each cell in our body. It's held together by, I think it's called laminate. And, and the idea is that when you blow that up, inside of every cell in our body that holds it together, this laminate, or whatever the name is, is the shape of a cross. So each cell in our body is held together by the shape of a cross. And we begin to look at and say, ooh, here's a God who puts these galaxies and these stars and, he, you know, he, he puts, and here we are on this planet, this blue marble, 
And, and in, in, in the size of the galaxies, you know, if you would take a pin and stick it in the, here and look at all the wealth and all the, the this, this, this all around us and this pin, that's us, the planet Earth. <laughs> and that's the planet Earth. And in this planet Earth is you and I. And the God who spoke all of this into existence knows who you are, he knows where you are, and he loves you. (laughs) That's what we just experienced in our worship. He is so great. He number he know every star is named and every thought in your heart is recorded. Everything that hurts you hurts him. Hurts God. Every joy, the joy of seeing when Jesus tells us the story of the product of the father running to his lost son is the God of this universe running to you and I and loving us. The Easter season, Christ dying for us, God who spoke all of this into existence loves you. An experience in our heart, it's hard to even get our mind around it. that on the head of this pin is our earth. And on this earth is me and you. And it is God, through his word, speaking to our hearts, telling us he loves us. Can you get your mind around that? But yet, he says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. That we have hope in this life and in the life to come. That's the scriptures speaking to us in our heads, (laughs) experiencing it in our hearts. And it's a revelation that I can't give to you. But God's spirit quickens it in your hearts and minds to give you that understanding. That's God touching us. I know I didn't get to the Advent and the Lent and the Pentecost and all that. I'll do that maybe next week. But the idea is that these are experiences for us. As we worship, they're experiences of our heart. And as we read the scriptures and understand the the stories and, and the ministry of Jesus, that's a concept that's getting our mind involved in our understanding, our faith. Our faith isn't something that is based on nothing. Our faith is based upon the promises of God, understanding that what he spoke into existence, he speaks into his word, and his spirit speaks to our lives, and that makes them very, very real. Amen? So you take these, you read them, And make it your daily checklist. And that as we read them, they are our declaration. And you cannot manage what you don't speak and you don't put into what you don't expect. 
So these are what we expect. I gave this list to one of the ladies at the hospital, and she goes through and she's saying, I can't do this one, I can't do that one. I said, no, that's not the way I meant it. That's not the checklist. <laughs> okay? She was going through checking off the things that she knew she couldn't do. I say, no, 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 that's not it. You, you are to check off everything and God help you do them. Oh, I don't want this. <laughs> so God is going to help us manage what we declare. And we declare what? God loves me. God has a plan for me. He has a purpose for my life. And he does not, Jeremiah 29, 11, Ruth, tell us. Come on now. Yeah. And, and bring about the plans that you hope for. The hope that is born in our heart, God is giving us a plan to make it work.